When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. You're listening to DraftKings Network. I mean, this is a sport that's on the precipice of irrelevance. The games are taking over three and a half hours. Playoff games are taking over four hours. Game's too long, too slow. Who cares? This is a situation where baseball's in trouble to begin with. The MLB is officially dead. Baseball is dead. Rest in peace. This should really be like the the holiday episode. We're like coming into Christmas this weekend, Fuck right? Yeah. Strike up jingle bells. Let's go. Yeah, but it's like it's uh or don't. That's it's cool. like a whole yeah. week away. Like it's it's awful timing for a if we were gonna do a Christmas special podcast. It's like it's not Christmas. Yeah, like people still gonna wrap stuff. People still gonna buy stuff, and then people don't even celebrate Christmas. <laughs> well, well, I'm gonna say this: if you're still in the buying wrapping phase, mm-hmm. <clears throat> you should probably speed things up a little. You should probably get it going. That's all I'm gonna say. You should probably get it going. You don't want to run into your. You don't want to. I'm on Amazon your, right your now. <laughs> <laughs> Literally looking at Amazon as we're doing the podcast. What are you buying? Joke. What are you buying? I'm assuming whoever you're buying for doesn't listen to the show. Who is it? I got to buy my brother. I got my parents. Does your brother listen to this podcast? I didn't know you had a brother. He, he, they don't listen, but I mean, he doesn't listen. He, he doesn't have a baby. I'm supposed to buy a baby a present now. What the fuck? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> You don't have to, Joe. Just throw out a throw out a stuff. Go get yourself a build a bear. That thing is the gift that'll keep on giving for years. Mm-hmm. I'm sure, but the the thing guy got like twelve of those already. I, I will yeah, say, but, this, sir, but not one from Uncle Joe. This is a this is a free ad for build a bear. They hire the most passionate people in the world. There. Oh, it's beautiful. They, they are. They make it work, Jared. They make it work. Yeah. Like, they're this the is spoke not, in the wheel. They're not even the wheel. They're the spoke in the wheel. If you don't have the spoke in the wheel, that fucker ain't rolling. Yeah, you know like what I mean? If you walk around a mall, right, and you go into any other store, you're going to run into your 20-something, your teenage first job type, and they're going to be like, I'm just trying to punch the clock and, and make some money for gas and, and beer on the weekend. You go into Build-A-Bear, and it's like these people were built in a lab uh, scientifically engineered to work at Build-A-Bear. It is, it's, it's fascinating. Every single time, they are the most passionate and dedicated employees to any company on planet Earth. And I, I love it when you get a vet in there and they're not even... They're not even like looking at the foam filler thing or the stuffy filler mm-hmm. thing. 
when they're sliding the animal, they're like engaged in the child. You know what I mean? Locked in, mm-hmm. eye contact. Oh, how old are you and your sister together? <laughs> <laughs> oh, how old are you? are you guys twins? How old are you? <laughs> and you're just like, this is legendary. Like yeah. this is this is an art right now, and this mm-hmm. is a master at work. Like you just sit back and you soak it. You. You become part of that experience. You really do. I, I don't yeah. know what employees get paid at Build a Bear, but it's not enough. Oh. No, and I'm enough. like, like, like the first time that I went with my kids, I was like, oh shit, voice box, yeah, load it up. Do you want two? You want two of those? Heartbeats, yeah, uh huh. But boom, 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 give them two. Irregular, it's fine, it's fine. Like, give it all. They were over. They were overselling, but they weren't. They were really underselling because the passion. I was like, why? Why wouldn't? This bear have all of these things. Like, look mm. at this person. They know what this bear needs. Yeah, it's like it's like it's like watching Greg Maddox pitch. It's just like <laughs> dotting the corners. It looks uh, effortless. You know you're yeah. witnessing greatness, an all-time legend. Like Build a Bear, they just do it different there. They really do. That's well, that's that's a good point because the the heartbeats and the voice boxes are like the <clears throat> like the front door sinker. You're like, I don't know if I need I, I need all of that. I had no idea. Yeah. That's all. That's my fault. That's yeah. my fault. Anyways, buildabear.com, promo code dead. <laughs> uh, dead is kind of how uh, the offseason has been for the most part. I mean, what do we have? Lourdes Gurriel Jr. signed with the D-backs. Glass uh, now. Oh, yeah, the Tyler Glass now trade. Oh. Yeah, it, that's the thing about the one podcast a week is like things will happen and it'll get swept under the rug a little bit over the course of uh, the gap in between shows. But Tyler Glass now was not only traded to the Dodgers, but Bread he was extended up. big time money for Zaddy Glass now, who said it was a, a childhood dream of his to pitch for the Los Angeles Dodgers. Um, <clears throat> first and foremost, congratulations to him. Maybe we can get him on the podcast. Well, I know that we can. It's just a matter of scheduling and things of that nature. Uh, we don't look at this because I saw I saw people being like, oh, they did this trade because they're greasing the skids and they they understand that they're not going to be able to sign uh, Yamamoto. I, there's no correlation there for me. They need a Glasnow and arms like if you look at the tony gonsling got clipped dustin may's coming back from it uh not to start the year walker bueller is coming back from surgery they basically have like what miller. bobby miller uh clayton kershaw still a free agent they haven't made a decision there yet so like what what bobby miller some, and have, some have kershaw retiring um they're basically reconstructing an entire rotation yeah, yeah. well they like outside of outside of the young guy like that's that's it. I mean, who, who do they got? Um, I mean, they currently have uh, roster resource currently has their starting pitching depth chart at Glasnow, Bueller, Miller, Yarbrough, and Emmett that's Sheehan. A, I was okay. going to say Yarbrough. So, yeah, they've, got, they've still got moves to make, even even with the Glasnow yeah. trade. Like, they still have, like, is, what do you put the percentage odds, Jay Hay, at Clayton Kershaw announcing his retirement before opening day? I don't, I, I can't see it. I just can't see it. Like, I honestly, I guess it's going to come down to health in part, but he is specifically the one quote that stood out to me as it relates to your question was that he he didn't want it to go out the way that it went out for him in the DS against the D backs. And if he's if he's uttering those words out loud to me, 
we're already moving in the direction of having that not be the last word from Clayton Kershaw. So I don't know whether it's a dis like to me, maybe it's a creative decision where he's not signed by the team or by anyone by opening day. Right. And maybe like maybe it's like a it, it's a version of the Roger Clemens thing from back in the day where he it's like a half season or something like that, where he he's not doing the, like I'm only going to pitch at home. Like, yeah, yeah, he's not yeah. doing that. But like in terms of or maybe he is, I don't know. But like in terms of when he joins the team and the percentage of the season that he's joining the Dodgers, maybe that's something that they figure I, out. But to me, I can't see him not pitching on the Dodgers next year, knowing the lineup that they're going to trot out next year, how it went out for him and just. I feel like he's still a good pitcher when he's on the mound. That's yeah. what's like yeah. really good. Really 2. good. 2.46 ERA last yeah. year. Who retires really after doing a 2.46. Well, we had we had this conversation oh, like two years ago when I was talking about when, when they were, you know, the injuries are coming and he's missing extended time. And we were talking, I, I likened his situation to a Tim Wakefield situation. And I said, Jared, does this dude just every year, if he's not retiring, if every year that he's healthy enough to pitch, it's just known that it's going to be with the Dodgers whenever that's going to be. And whether he signs early with them and is held back and is an extended and just continues to work and like pitches half a season and they know that he's going to pitch half a season. They're like, you know what? We'll take 17 to 20 starts. Like, And if we can get that from him, outstanding. Because we have an idea of what we're going to get in those 17 to 20 starts, if that's the case. So if if that's the road that Clayton Kershaw is now traveling down, then ultimately they, being the Dodgers and Clayton Kershaw, have each uh, earned the right and the respect of each other to be able to be in this situation. So I, I think ultimately the organization's comfortable with bringing Kershaw along to an extent because they know what they're going to get, like I said, and I think he is comfortable enough at this point in time knowing who he is and what he can bring to the table and deploying that as such so he can optimize his uh, his presence. Did you combine like Clayton the, and Kershaw and go with Kershaw there? I don't know. Did I? Yeah. If I if I did, you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> well, Klersh. <laughs> yeah, you're fucking welcome. What are you going to say, Joe? I was saying, like, last year the Dodgers blatantly just tried to save his arm, like, through the back half of the year. They wouldn't let him throw more than, like, 85 pitches for the last two months of the season just to save his arm. Now, and he got into the playoffs and got completely shelled. So I don't know if they're going to reverse that strategy based on one start. I don't know. Then again, if they're going to just save his arm, and that's the whole point, it does make sense to maybe not sign him until two months of the season, which would be weird. But also, people have been talking about this fucking guy going to the Rangers for the past like five, five off seasons. Yeah. yeah. So, but wouldn't that make more as like much sense now than ever? If he's already kind of thinking, I'm going to maybe retire. The Rangers are looking good. Obviously, the Dodgers are looking better, but that, that has so I don't much know, people seem Joe. to be out of that. Joe, People the seem legacy. to be out on the Rangers. Like the boy the cried wolf, like we've been through this. The the legacy though, because now now you gotta think like you have the opportunity right now to start and finish in a storied franchise, and you are on the Mount Rushmore of that storied franchise. And there's a lot of people in a long line that could very well be chiseled on that mountain. And it's you. Now, I'm not saying that that impacts that at all, should he go to the Texas Rangers, but it's kind of like 
oh, is that how you want to see that story end? Like, that's not how that story is supposed to end. It's not supposed to end with him wearing a cowboy hat. It's like He's Brady. wearing a fucking Dodger like, you, you don't need to ring chase somewhere else. Yeah. I, well, it worked I also, out for Brady, didn't it? It did work out for Brady, Brady but Brady... Like in, I mean, Brady could singularly impact well, a franchise elsewhere, whereas Kershaw would be a nice complimentary piece. But he's not, he's not single-handedly no, I, winning I, a title I, in Texas. Well, and, and you could almost even argue that Clayton Kershaw's contributions are almost potentially better served during the regular season as opposed to what he's showed in the postseason. I don't know that if you have two options or three options before you go to Kershaw that Kershaw's getting any of those starts in the postseason. And that's where Kershaw would ultimately slot into this, right? Is if you're going to sign a Yamamoto, well, there's there's a guy who's starting before he is. If you've now got Tyler Glass now, well, there's a guy who's starting before he is. If you've got a healthy Walker Bueller, well, now there's a guy you're, you're starting before he is. If you've got a healthy Miller, well, now there's a guy you're probably starting before he is. So, like, I mean, you've got an entire rotation's worth of arms now that you're probably giving starts in the postseason to before you give one to Clayton Kershaw. Even I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I, don't, I mean. No? <sighs> um. The fact that we're even that kind rolling of, it that, over. But isn't that kind of besides the point, though, ultimately, because Kershaw coming back to the Dodgers is about the first stuff that you talked about, like yes, legacy yes, and yes, the fact Jay, that yes, and that it, the fact that I, I think it's very unlikely that the Rangers, maybe I'm wrong. I think it's unlikely that they're going to outbid the Dodgers to retain Kershaw services, A, because they already have an enormous amount of money committed to pitchers that are now going to be sidelined on the uh, to start the season in Scherzer and DeGrom. Right. Uh, right. How much more do they want to commit to a guy who may not be healthy or, you know, giving them 150 innings like they might need? Um, and then the whole RSN situation with the Rangers, which seems to be something of a problem for them. But the more to the point, like I just. I don't know, man, I the Dodgers to me, like it, they wouldn't be signing him so that he could pl- pitch pivotal games for them in the postseason that's probably not where it would go but if he did i mean what a decent weapon to have on a one-year deal who also happens to be the greatest pitcher post kofax in franchise history right mm-hmm. maybe I mean, including you're getting- also, but you're- here's the thing do you think that max scherzer and justin verlander the last two seasons have ruined the clayton kershaw market because signing these old fucks on one-year deals no disrespect to the two goats didn't work out. Well, they got three year deals. Teams, they got they didn't get one year deals. You're right. So just forget I said that. <laughs> but <laughs> during that oh, one sorry. year, <laughs> it didn't really work out. So maybe I don't know because I don't know. I, you know, that's the comp. That's I, I think I don't know. That's the key takeaway there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's the comp. Yeah. Do you want to roll the dice on this guy? He oh. had a two point four six ERA oh, last oh. year. That's one of the best in the league. But he was also. Wasn't pitching a lot of innings. They had to, you know, team back. They're worried. Yeah, about but nobody's going to pay him forty million dollars. No, no, no. No, we've already established. They would have maybe, but that's what I'm saying. They might have if it wasn't. No, no, no. no. <laughs> like Clay, what, what was the what was the deal that Kershaw was just on? It was like a one year, twenty million dollar deal, wasn't it? With the Dodgers. Yeah, like, yeah. No, we've already established where. The, I, was it, it even twenty? Like uh, yeah, I, well, I was going to ask. Was it even twenty? I mean, you can expect it right now to be right around the qualifying offer. Maybe right. even less, just because you're thinking to yourself, like, I don't know, go back and look at his, somebody pull up his, uh, what you call it, baseball reference. What, what, what's he giving you the last three, four, five years? 
120, 130, 40 innings max. I don't know that he's hit 140 innings over the last three years, four years. Yes. It's 20 plus starts, right? 20, no more than 25 starts, I would assume, in any one of these seasons. And so that's that's why I said, go ahead, Jay. That's why I said 17 to 20. No, I was just going to say, like, I think you I think what you just described, like just generally broadly, the the 2025 starts like really good, good ERA is is how you would describe most of this rotation at this point. Like we, we've penciled in Tyler Glass or penned in Tyler Glass now is like, here, here's your guy that's definitely taking the ball for you. Cl- Tyler Glass now has never once qualified for the ERA title in his entire career. Like we all love Tyler Glass now and we, we even more love the theory of Tyler Glass now. But like it, Every one of these guys is probably a bet for somewhere between 15 and 25 starts unless they sign a Yamamoto, right? Or unless they get spurned by Yamamoto and then say, hey, we need to soak up some innings and we need to sign a Jordan Montgomery or something like that, which I haven't seen them linked to. But who knows where they oh, would oh, go post. If you're in on the Yamamoto, like how much separation do we think there is between a Yamamoto and a Snell market? A hundred million Sizable. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Do we? Yeah, yeah. Probably, yes. probably. I bet you, I bet you that there is a north of one hundred million dollar gap between. I, oh, Dallas, I'll make Yamamoto. I'll make a fun bet with you if you want. Low stakes. Nope. I don't. I don't need to put my family out. But I'll say that Snell's total money is closer to Glassnow's total money than what Yamamoto's total money ends up being. So I think Glasnow's is one thirty-five with the with the yeah, this year included. Mm-hmm. So I'll say Snell is closer to that than whatever Yamamoto than what gets. Yamamoto gets. I, I mean, yeah, because we're talking about. I mean, well, that's why I was like, is it one hundred fifty mil? Because they're talking like we're talking in the neighborhood of three hundred mil north. I, well, in the neighborhood, that could be north, that could be south. Yeah, like if they just if, if he already has offers in hand that are in the low three hundreds then the winning bid is going to be in the mid-300s somewhere. But that could include posting fee. So then so then, why isn't Snell why isn't Snell an easy pivot? It's not that he's not an easy pivot. I think it's more just like the team. Like your fallback plan's a guy who just won the Cy Young. That they haven't even, like they're not even looking at Snell and Montgomery yet. They're just, they're jerking off the pictures of Yamamoto. I, I think I think the the difference, not to be reductive, it is just it's age it, number one, yes. right? Like Yamamoto yes. is what a twenty five year old Sawamura winner, like three time in three time in the in the prime of his career, and and maybe just entering the prime of his career. Blake Snell just completed his age thirty season, and as we've covered many times on this podcast, is not like the picture of consistency year to year. So I think like. The, the market for Blake Snell, not even in total dollars, just in like teams that would be interested to me, it would make more sense. Like if the Jordan Montgomery teams are more similar to that than the Yamamoto teams, like Yamamoto seems like kind of his own deal because of his dominance and his age. You just don't see 25 year old pitchers hit the free agent market. Well, Snell is also no. one of those vocal guys about where he wants to pitch. Like he's kind of eliminated a whole side of the country in terms of landing destinations where uh, Yamamoto seems to be open to anywhere. As long as you have at least $300 million and a chance to win a World Series soon, then yeah, you you are in the sweepstakes. So. 
We'll see. I mean, I, it's not a surprise to me that the rest of the market has just come to a halt. Like all these teams that uh, could be potential fits for Snell or Montgomery or no, this is this is the Yamamoto holdup here. Yeah, this is the. Well, let me let let me ask you, Jared. Last time we did the pod, you were being you were shitting on your boys on the Red Sox. They're not going to do shit. Uh-huh. Has your opinion changed? Are you no. getting excited? Nope. No. Mm-mm. You're fucking bluffing, dude. I know you do. I know you have some optimism. That I don't have any optimism. Want to say? <clears throat> I will. Uh... Hold on. Let me ask you this: Do you think the Red Sox could be in on any one of the the yeah. latter two? Because they're in on everyone. A... They're in on everyone. No, they're, no, they're they're. We know they're interested yeah, yeah. in having all of these players on their team. <laughs> yeah, we know are, that they're in. They're in on everyone. Are they the favorite for anyone? No. So it's like, you know, it's well, I'm, not, I, I I'm not even worried about them being a favorite, but I don't like how strongly do we feel like Yamamoto? Like, no, like I don't one feel out strongly of 10, like, I think, okay. like, you know, if you're if you're to believe Jim Bowden, 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 Bowden. <laughs> 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 oh, no, no, I was just saying if you if the whole if you were to believe thing. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you were to if you were to believe him, uh, he's got the giant. Jay the does not believe him as being super aggressive on Yamamoto and um well I'll I'll drop a little scoop shop on baseball is dead for any Red Sox fans that are listening but uh, on Saturday I got a text message from someone in the know who said the offer to Yamamoto is real and I said how much north of 300 is it 300 ain't going to get it done and this individual said not sure I know it's more than 300 though Likely 320. So I don't know. I have no idea. Um, <clears throat> I what I was gonna tweet, but I just I've I've been very careful about tweeting about Yamamoto because my confidence level in the Red Sox actually getting him is is very 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 low. So I don't need like after he signs with the Dodgers or the Mets or the Yankees, like I don't need everyone being like, ha ha, you thought you were gonna get him, blah, blah, blah. like I don't actually think I'm going to get him. So like I'm not giving anyone any opportunity to like throw it in my face after because like it would be the shock of the century. Don't be soft. Don't be soft. This is where your fans need you, Jared. This is where they need you. This is where they need you. This is where I'm showing my veteran experience. I've been down this road before, and I know how to navigate these roads. Dallas has no idea. Dallas has no clue how to navigate the roads of an expensive free agent. You've never experienced that. You never will experience that. You live the rest of your days battles. never oh, knowing what it's like but you never to be get in the Dallas. race you for a top tier free agent you I'm will never know what that's it. like it's it seems like you're let, making jake Sam. do the heavy 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 lifting it does getting, it does getting too. people fired up sending it, him to dunkin donuts calling him reservations <laughs> at restaurants <laughs> yeah. when it's you know should be you know it should be kind of maybe jared gets in there yes, and sir. Yep. you guys have if, double the chance if i felt nope. better about it then yeah i would be doing all that stuff but i don't feel good about it I'm a, how Boston is this guy anymore, Joe? He's ducking knives at Kowloon, like won't show up to the stabbings. I was like, there. There's so many things. There's so many questions we have right now. Where are you um, right now? Where are it's rumors? He's not even in mass anymore. Yeah. People are trying to peg down Jared's location. They don't know where he's can't, at. Mm-hmm. Can't do it. Right. Feelings of abandonment starting to swell. Mm-hmm. That's fine. Look, like, look, Red Sox fans at least know where I'm at for them. They know that I'm here for them. No, so they if don't. it's not going to if it's not going to be Jared, 
If it's not going to be Jared, take it from the guy who does the Red Sox podcast, okay? Yeah, I I just... uh, You know what? Let me pull up another conversation that I had over the weekend with someone very uh, trustworthy and in the know. Um, It was a... Someone someone that we should all believe. (laughs) Someone, Someone that we should all believe. This individual said, I would be really in the put the stars on the side of really i would be really surprised if it's the red Sox. so it's not like i'm just i i've lost my mojo like i'm talking to people that know much more inside information than i do and this is the holiday season no one is saying a word of confidence about it jared this is the holiday season and right now the red Sox sleigh can't get off the ground with that kind of spirit, with that lack of spirit. The Red Sox sleigh is going nowhere, pal. You're supposed to be the shiny little red nose that is steering this ship, and you are abandoning them. You refuse to come out of the paddock. Come on. Get your red nose out there and lead these fucking people. This is a shame. This is an absolute shame. I can't believe I am witnessing the lack of spirit. I think this is very practical and correct. Yeah. Jay, hey, shut up. (laughs) You are disgusting right now. The pandering is just very rational. Just gross. So rational. Let me tell you something right now. What? You know what number Yamamoto is? Mm. 18. Tell him, Joe. 18. And you should know. You know who else was 18? Dice Game Matsuzaka. I'm just going to say they probably a huge fan, probably something that's going to sell him on the socks. Mm -hmm. Only there was a person mm. to hype it up a little bit. Mm. Yeah. I'd love to. I'd love to. No, it doesn't sound like you would. No, I really, I don't know. You can't be the beacon of positive thinking and hope for your team right now during the holiday season? No. Wow. Merry Christmas, Sox fans. <laughs> yeah. Damn. Yeah. Wow. Damn. I mean, since we're on Yamamoto, we might as well, we might as well talk about him, you know? We have uh, we have Anthony Bowens coming up a little bit later from AEW. If you don't know, uh, big Giants fan, and uh, I think I want to ask him to set the record straight on the Giants Mount Rushmore. I think we were all over the map on that one. Let's see what he has to say about that, and we'll talk a little Giants and the Yamamoto chances, because and just the free agent chances, because the I feel like the Giants <clears throat> can't give their money to anybody. They can't. They they've been trying. <laughs> well, they've been trying so, for years to give their money away, and everyone's like, ah. Here's here's what's interesting. Let's think about this. What we just saw, and somebody somebody can effort to find this, but uh, I'm going to paraphrase until we find it or anybody cares not to. Uh, but Buster Posey's comments about whether or not the perception of the city of San Francisco and what life is like in that city is having an impact on whether or not free agents are as interested in making that place home. You're talking about heroin? Talking about <laughs> the homelessness? <laughs> talking about maybe a little black tar heron? Yeah. Talking about, you know, w- w- whatever whatever you want to talk about, like in, in terms of the degradation of or the perceived degradation of the city and whether or not that's impacting the pursuit of of elite free agent talent and 
like I, I think it's interesting. I want to get your guys' thoughts on it. Um, I, I'm like I said, I don't know that you guys have read what he had to say specifically. Why don't you share but, it? Why don't you share it, Dallas, for the people that are listening that haven't heard the comments? Oh, I, I, I don't have them pulled up. I just, Jesus I remember, Christ, I remember reading. Was it what you're saying, Buster only? No, Buster, Buster Posey. 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 Buster Posey. Buster Posey. Posey, Posey. Was yeah, just was ownership. Yeah, like you're, uh, I mean, I'm sure we can edit out the time. But Ken Rosenthal said the same thing. He said, listen, some of these ballplayers scared to hang out with the poor people. All right. <laughs> Buster and only said that? It was Ken Rosenthal. Oh, Rosenthal? Yep. I mean, is Rosenthal hanging out with the junkies in San Francisco? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what he's doing in San Francisco. I will say this, though. Every time that I've been to Oakland to visit my friend <laughs> Dallas Braden and the Oakland A's, I was told, hey, uh, Oakland is, hey, it's not good over here. You got to stay in a nice city like San Francisco and then commute on over to Oakland. Now, it sounds like Oakland's even better than San Francisco. Where where am I? If I go to see my beloved Oakland A's before they move to Las Vegas, where am I supposed to stay? Where am I supposed to feel safe, Dallas? You can feel safe. Hey, I feel safe in Jack London Square. I feel safe in that neighborhood. I lived in that neighborhood. My family lived in that neighborhood. But I, like, I, 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 I don't know. That's like a local reference. I don't know if that's like, oh, that's like a horrible play. Like, I have no idea. Well, some some might, you know, at first glance, look at it and be like, ah, I'm not too sure about this. Uh, but uh, yeah. like I said, I felt I felt safe. Yeah, Dallas took me to a breakfast spot that had bars on the windows. <laughs> but how good was the breakfast? It was great. Oh, my God. You guys are so fucking soft. <laughs> Listen, I'm just asking. Who's talking about you guys? Me? No, no. Saugus Domingo over here. Listen, oh. <laughs> I, I'm asking for a safe place to stay when I go to Oakland. That's all. That's all I want. Anyway, Buster Posey, it was in The Athletic, and I... Uh, I I'm struggling to find the article right now. I was looking on it, looking for it on my computer, but I don't have the app on my computer. Mm -hmm. But the the take home is that Buster Posey was addressing whether or not the perception of crime and things like that in the city are impacting that. And he said, yeah, like that's it could be an issue. And whether it's true or not, he said, is one thing, but perception is reality. And so if that's even something people are talking about, if that's even something guys are weighing, well, then we have to consider that, I think is kind of where he's is where he's coming from. Maybe it's time for the Giants so, to move to Oakland. Yeah. <laughs> so so who have the Giants really lost out on in terms of free Rowdy agents that they, that they were supposed to have signed? Bryce Harper. Uh, Bryce Harper, Carlos Correa, Aaron Judge. Wait, wait, wait. Carlos Judge. Didn't they agree with Carlos Correa, basically? Yeah, and then you heard about the crime. That didn't seem to have anything to do with the amount of crime in San Francisco. That seemed to have to do with his medical. So so in an alternate reality where Carlos Correa doesn't have a broke leg, uh, he signs with the Giants. This is one big That's fine. That's fine. Where he signs with the Giants, we're not talking about this. Period. Because they would then have signed Correa and possibly Lee. So to me, this is a... I'm not saying that San Francisco doesn't have its own problems like many large cities in America, but 
one guy tried to sign with them. And in the very next season, they did sign one of the premier free agents in Lee, who I'm sure we'll talk about at some point. Other than that, that's unclear to, to me to call him a premier free agent. He just got a hundred whatever million dollars that they probably had. He was probably worth 50 million somewhere else. And they gave him a hundred million to come stop, to San Francisco. Stop, 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 <laughs> stop. Could be true. It could be true. So and maybe they maybe they backed away from Correa because with the hurt leg, they didn't. You know, he could get mugged and then, right. you know, we'll if, we're, if we're in a safer neighborhood, mm -hmm. we wouldn't be worried about his leg. Right. But going in and out of the stadium, mm -hmm. that could be it. Could be it. Right. So we don't have anything real to say on this topic. Is that the idea? What, San Francisco? No, the idea that like the Giants haven't missed out on people is oh, my point. Like, Jay, hey, what? They haven't what? been they haven't been particularly good over this stretch. Better How teams. How do you get better? You signed the, premier free agents. Jay yeah, Jay, and this is all have, part of, whoa, whoa, whoa. No, 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 this is all part of why Shohei Otani didn't sign there, Jay. Hey, this is all part of why this is all part of why I said he didn't sign there is because you're looking at teams who are showing you because a they track record. No, because they're showing you a track record of their willingness of being to spin unsafe and willingness to spend, willingness to bring guys in. And that is something that Shohei Otani is looking at and saying that has impacted your ability okay. to get to the postseason consistently. Okay, so either team. the Giants have, have been willing to spend and have been spurned, or they haven't been willing to spend, and that's why Shohei Otani didn't go with them. We cannot possibly have it both ways. We well, can't. And didn't well, he if offer, you're, if you're didn't he offer that... Didn't if he offer that, that $700 million yes. framework to the Giants? Yes. Wasn't Apparently that reported? The framework yes. was and, the, and the Giants accepted? So this idea that he was not going to sign with the Giants ever doesn't seem to be based in reality if he was to the point of actually seeing if they were willing to engage on the $700 million deferred forever money framework. He was. They were down to one of the but final four teams. That's been reported. So the fact yeah. that he's not, they're not getting spurned because there's crime in San Francisco. They got spurned because a team that's also in California that has dominated the division that the Giants were in yes. also offered the exact same amount of money and have demonstrated an ability to win and host star players over the last decade or whatever. Shohei Otani probably doesn't give that much of a fuck about the 2012 World Series at this point. Like, that's in the past. That's a winning culture that's not impacting today right now. And, like, we can say that they've not signed premier free agents, but, like, that ultimately amounts to Otani, Bryce Harper, and Garrett Cole. Garrett Cole went to the but Yankees. These, these, Bryce these Harper. Are all Jay Hay. Those are they all, just didn't look, get them because they didn't get you're them. Not saying, you're not saying anything that nobody on this podcast agrees with or excuse me disagrees with we all understand that this is why otani is there but the reasons that he's there are because the reasons that the giants have shown they aren't the front runner for this and it's because they have whether whether you want to call it missed out on or however you want to phrase it they have not been able to attract and sign seal or deliver these big name free agents, which has impacted their ability to consistently compete the way the Dodgers have. That's by fine. Virtue, and, and, I, by and I'm not attributing that to some nonsense about virtue, crime like Buster Posey is no, when in actuality they've lost right. out to them because the other team was the fucking Yankees or the Phillies or the Dodgers, who, to your point, have better winning infrastructures over the last yes, decade. Yes, That's my point. Yes, it's not yes. because of some made up story. So you're yelling about how at San Buster Francisco Posey right now. I Correct. just want to clarify. Correct. Okay. 
It's not some made up story <laughs> about how there it's a scary city. It's because the Giants haven't been winning at the same clip as these other clubs and also haven't offered more money. And in the cases where they have offered the most money, like Carlos Correa, they got the free agent until that person got in the door and proved to have a medical situation that they weren't comfortable with. So when they actually offered the most money, they got the free agent, just like almost every situation in big time free agent history. Hold on. What did you say? You cut out a little. Did he? No, he didn't cut out for me. No, the or it's just, they've missed out on, or they have signed every t- every time they. No, I'm saying every time they've offered the most money in mm-hmm. recent history, they have gotten the player. There are no reports of the Dodgers saying we have offered more money than this other team and were spurned because of X reason or because of this reason. They lost out to the Dodgers because apparently Otani offered the same package to four different teams. Three of them wisely said yes. And one of them run by Artie Moreno apparently said no, thank you. And he looked at the three teams that said yes and chose the team that is by far the best of those teams. Absolutely. Absolutely. Los Angeles has problems, too, I'm sure. I've been to both well, of these places. They Los, Angeles, problems. That, Los Angeles, that you was could my literally steal a fucking car and drive away. And as long as no yeah, one like, died, they're about? like, eh, cops don't care about anything in L.A. You you need to be dying yeah, that was or my dead response. to get their attention. That was my response. Yeah, that was my response <laughs> to the Buster Posey comments was that exists in every major city. Absol- every dude. major city has that blight somewhere in it that Not it's Boston. trying to clean up trying to hide (laughs) however you want to however you want to look at it but that's that's just reality guys Garrett Cole signed with New York the New York City and Bryce Harper signed with Philadelphia (laughs) like it these cities all have versions of the same problem Mm-hmm. It's different. It's, it's not different like these Philly, people. The, it's yeah, not like these people went to Arlington. There might be crime, but like the people in Philly are willing to commit crimes for Bryce Harper. Like he is, <laughs> he is protected like uh, like a king. Oh in yeah, his castle. made like, man. Yeah, made like man. at no point is Bryce like Bryce Harper might be the most uh, recognizable person in the city of Philadelphia, and he like there might be some sort of crime being committed somewhere. And Bryce Harper could witness it and they would spare his life. There's just no way that he's no one would touch him there. And he knows that. And it's awesome. I will say there's definitely I mean, it's not just crime. Also, taxes in California off the fucking chain. That's always affecting teams. The Giants have not been good. The city people are like not into San Francisco as much as recently. I'm sure you can look at the stats. They probably don't have as many people going to San Francisco anymore. So it's probably a combination of all these things. But definitely San Francisco doesn't seem to be a, a premier landing spot for free agents like it probably was five, ten years ago. Let's do it. Let's do an exercise. Let's do an exercise right now. Let's <laughs> say all of you are tier one free agents right now. And you're the sifting Dodgers. through <laughs> you're sifting. You're That's sifting simple. through offers that range anywhere from let's say 300 to 310 million. So it's not a huge gap. You have these offers from the Giants, the Dodgers, the Mets, the Phillies, and the Yankees. What team are you accepting their offer for? Dallas already answered. 
Hmm. I would go. I would probably go Phillies. Okay. Yeah, I mean, if if I am like a millionaire star baseball player and I can make these sorts of decisions, I'm absolutely signing in Philadelphia because I have lots of friends there and I'm very comfortable <laughs> in that city and town. So I would love to play there. That would be great. <laughs> that, that would be great. Okay. But I don't have a lot of interest in re, in uprooting my family across, you know, to Los Angeles, for example, or San Francisco. Mm-hmm. So no one even considered the Giants. Well, I would consider them if they offered me more money. <laughs> How much more? If if it's three hundred even does from 10 the Phillies, million more get you? Does three hundred ten yeah, million? No, I, I, to me, it's even. like a three fifty sort of thing. It's okay. like a three fifty sort okay. of thing. It has to be like multiple more generations of my family taking. No, care I was just gonna of, say, like, what can you do with three fifty that you can't do with three hundred? Well, <laughs> I, I mean, nothing. A more nice yes. weddings. Yeah, I, your point's well taken, of course, but. Can, can I just say one more thing about sure. this Giants free agency thing? Yeah. Because it, it was said that they don't lure them like they used to free agency wise. Mm-hmm. When has San Francisco ever been a premier landing spot for That's free wrong. agents in baseball history? Besides I want one. you guys to name me the instance and the one instance that everybody will point to. Well, there's two really. One is Barry Bonds, who was like, but that was like from a the area. Signing. Correct. Yeah. And his dad played there. Okay. So I think we can put an asterisk by that one. No pun intended. No. Yeah. You, you see what I did there. And then Barry Zito, who famously got way more money from the Giants than, than he was offered anywhere else. And that contract was considered onerous for like the entire second half of the deal. Johnny Cueto is the other largest deal in franchise history. And I don't think uh, Johnny Cueto and Barry Zito represent a free agent haven uh over 20 years of free agency signings so i i just like this idea that they have they're not what they used to be that's true only in a winning sense they've that previous title was homegrown we all know that we all talk about that and their free agency signings such as they were were complementary low budget generally pieces to surround those guys often the most impactful being guys they got like all fucking waivers or something in august of that season so sanchez pat burl yeah pat burl yeah like we yeah so that's i'm done on the the giant stuff but they've never been that destination yeah renteria yeah but they also didn't try back then wasn't renteria the fucking world series mvp in 2010 uh, he was. I think he was too. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, Edgar Renteria at one point was a premier free agent uh, signing for the Boston Red Sox. And then I believe he made 30 errors in his first year <laughs> and was promptly traded to Detroit. <laughs> that will not get it done. <laughs> yeah, that's not what you want. That's one of those that you thought was just a home run signing and was just a total epic disaster. Yeah. It's like, all right. No more Nomar. Let's bring in Edgar Renteria. Yeah, that was tough. He uh, he hated Boston. I feel like that trade was more so him begging for his life than anything else. Like, I'll go to Detroit. I don't care. <laughs> yeah, just get me the fuck out of here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> times if you know me then you know that all i want for the holidays this year is some nba action this week new customers can score 150 instantly in bonus bets for betting just five bucks an instant dub just for you a lot of good games out there tonight you got the sixers minus nine and a half against the bulls 
Pacers plus three and a half against the Clippers. Lots of good action out there. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code Jared. New customers can get 150 instantly in bonus bets for betting just $5 on basketball. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code Jared. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash basketball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. But anyways, on the subject of Yamamoto, we have about 20 minutes before Bowens gets here. Um... He had a second meeting with the Mets at Steve Cohen's house that lasted 15 minutes. Dallas, tell me from, from your baseball mind, what, what do you take from the timeline of that? Having a second meeting with the Mets, it's at Steve Cohen's house, but it's 15 minutes. What can you, what can you learn? What can you accomplish in 15 minutes? And before you answer that, I think a lot of us would probably sit here and say, oh, like if it's quick, that probably means that they were, you know, yes, I agree. Like it's a handshake agreement before anything is signed. But then he met with the Yankees. So if you're meeting with the Yankees, I mean, maybe you put the puzzle pieces together that he's doing them the solid of letting the Yankees know, like, thanks, but I'm actually signing with the Mets. I just want to let you know face to face. Maybe that's something in Japanese culture where he'd like to let them know face to face. I don't know. But what are you reading? From the uh, from what we know here on the outside, Yamamoto second meeting with the Mets. It's at Steve Cohen's house. It lasts 15 minutes, and it's I believe timeline wise that took place while he was on the way to meet with the Yankees. First, I mean, who knows? There there could be there could be a massive massive news break on deck if that's the case. If he's making these stops along the way sort of saying, hey, I appreciate the love and interest. I appreciate the courtship. I think this is the route that we're going, though, and it's it's not with you. I wish I could thank take you. my pants off for you, boy. <laughs> thank you, but no thank you. And then going to New York and doing the same thing. And so maybe there's a team that is showing interest that is doing a really good job of keeping all of this under wraps and is a sort of dark horse in all of this. And we don't we don't know anything about it. And they're the ones who are going to show up and go, oh, yeah, by the way, Yamamoto is now a Dodger. Brave. <laughs> Have the Braves even talked to him? <laughs> As I'm saying, they keep it under wraps, uh, motherfucker. They always keep it under wraps. You never know what they're doing. You never, you know what I'm saying? You got to keep your cards to your chest. Yeah. 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 But, but the 15 minute thing, that can very well be like, you know, if it's, that's why I say like, Maybe it's just a matter of him saying, hey, look, yes, we are. We're good to go. Everything's great. I appreciate it. Uh, this has been fun. I'm going to go ahead and let the Yankees know. I got I to gotta make another stop. I got to let, you know, I got to let the Phillies know. I got to let whoever. And he doesn't probably, owe probably, anybody anything, though, at this point. No, but that doesn't. But, but, but that's all part of, you know, going going this far down the line in these in these conversations, in in these negotiations, in this process. You are talking about a lot of things in depth, like depending on the years here, depending on the length, 
you know, you're going to be a part of this franchise for a very long time. So there's if, if we're talking about seven plus years, ten plus ten years, this is the Otani territory as well. This is where a lot of those free agents come into play. Bryce Harper is taking a look at what you have coming through the pipeline. Yamamoto is going to be supported by what you have coming through the pipeline. Who is going to join him in the rotation three, four years from now? Yeah. So, like, these are all very real questions that he's asking. And so when you develop that sort of relationship and that sort of rapport, you know, there's a there's a wink, wink, nod, nod, because an organization's kind of giving you a peek under the hood. Yeah. And you appreciate that. Joey, you're you're very immersed in Japanese baseball culture. What what could it possibly mean that <laughs> that he is giving these teams a second meeting and the length in which the one with the Mets has lasted? Oof. As an expert in Japanese people, um which mm-hmm. <laughs> made it I feel like that's the line. I don't know why someone from Japan would want to do 15 minute meetings compared to someone from any other country. I would, my guess is that it's probably some criminal activity. If Steve Cohen's involved, oh, you know, wow, I'm just going to pop into Steve Cohen's house and get some, you know, some million dollar artwork mm-hmm. for, you know, well, a little con- bit of a, a context. Con- he's a uh, Steve Cohen went to Japan and saw him. Not this time. No, but that's already been done. Yes, right? yes, yes, yes. That's that's the whole. Which that's which, my by point. The way, is, which, yeah, by the way, international, Dallas, so he can't get in trouble for it. A little birdie told me that he didn't like that. That Yamamoto was not pleased with that. Mm-hmm. Is that kind of like? Hey, fall, I, was, I, I was in the neighborhood. Thought I'd stop by. Yeah, I, I hate I, when people fucking show up at my house too. <laughs> like I, I, I'm gonna actually. I heard little birdie told me my, um, that the Yamamoto camp wasn't pumped that he was paid a visit in Japan. It was more like, I'll come to you. Like, I'll meet you when I'm ready. Like, don't come to me type deal. Yeah. I don't believe that for a second. I don't believe any of this shit. So that's my 15 minute meeting probably didn't even happen. And the fact that they know it's 15 minutes. What did we learn from this show? Hey, should every single thing that was reported on show? turned out to be totally fucking fake. I mean, even that part about him saying he didn't want teams to leak anything. The agent was like, never said that everything was fake. So what makes you think who knows? Oh, Who's saying that? I, I heard it was 15 minutes. It's 15 minutes. Probably wasn't. Probably never happened. I mean, it probably or that he hated that he hated that he hated that Steve Cohen went to Japan. Uh-huh. I didn't say hated, but wasn't wasn't pumped about it. That just seems like such a weird tidbit to even come out in the first place. Like, I don't buy it. Mm. I guess yeah. I'll what are you it. not pleased about? What are you not pleased about? I don't know. And also, do you think Steve Cohen's just flying out to Japan without checking first? Like, I'm going to surprise this guy? Yeah, I don't know. Des- desperate times call for desperate measures. I mean, like, that was a very embarrassing year for the Mets and Steve Cohen. Well, maybe he doesn't want to have to have the meeting, and then Steve Cohen shows up, and he's like, well, I feel like if you're here, you know, out of respect, uh, I've got to carve out some time for you. So I'll, I'll do that. I hadn't planned on doing that. My team isn't really prepared to do that per se. You know, you're going to make this big pitch and I understand that, but if I'm going to give you this time, I also want to be prepared to have this conversation with you. Not that I'm not prepared. I do know what I want, but I also, I'm going to have some, I'm going to have some responses you're going to want. I'm going to have some questions. I, I, I had no idea you were even here. I Fuck. have a take. I have a take, and I'm afraid to share it. 
I'm afraid don't to be share afraid. it because I trust, know how it's going tree. to be received. I I don't trust. I trust you the least in this situation. Trust you. Um, I, I have ever... a take sure. on the Yamamoto situation, and I'm afraid to share it because I know how it's going to be received. And that is that I only feel this way because I know that, uh, or at least I believe my team doesn't have a chance to sign Yamamoto. My take is that I have kind of reached Yamamoto fatigue a little bit. Like, hard, just make a fucking decision. Like, with all, like, the meetings and the rumors and, like, the, you know, he's here, he's here, and he's, you know, he's out on this team, he's meeting with this team, but he's talking to this team, and this team is going to up their... Like, I'm kind of just... I'm a little Yamamoto fatigued. Like, I think I'm ready for the decision to be made. Like, I, I, I'm at the point now where any Yamamoto rumors don't excite me. They borderline annoy me because it's like, we're, oh, we're still not at the point where we're making decisions. Uh, we're doing another round of meetings. Like, come on, like just fucking. And then I, I understand it. Like there will be the baseball fans. They'll be like, it's the most important decision of his life, dude. You can't take the time to make his, the most important decision of his life, dude. Like get off his balls, bro. Like just let him make his decision. And I get it. I get it. It's a very important decision. Did you see these guys at the beach? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I just, uh, I'm a little fatigued. I don't know how you guys feel about it. I, I, it's, I think we're past the point of like the rumors being like exciting. And now it's just like, oh my God, another fucking meeting. Like just, just decide already. Like Jesus Christ. How do how do you guys how do you guys feel about the I mean, uh, Yamamoto sweepstakes as we approach uh, a, a, we're we're less than a week away from Christmas? I, but I, I feel like you can't bitch about not having action in free agency and then well because he's holding stuff. everything else up like that's part of it where it's so, like so then, all right, you know what? if so other, if other that, shoes were dropping you're... elsewhere then i can wait a little longer on yamamoto but i know because you're taking forever on this decision now we have to wait for everyone else to fucking sign so if if the red Sox are 150 million dollars apart on <laughs> a snell and a yamamoto yeah then and that deal is 150 mil apart then uh-huh. why can't they come in and just say hey you're now you're now a, a boston red Sox." Blake Snell. Why can't they go and get confidently go and get a Jordan Montgomery who who they're trying. But why can't they just go and make that happen right because now? If, if, if he's holding it up and they're not in the neighborhood, they're not the even in that, that. In that Alice, arena. If you're Jordan Montgomery, you're assuming his body, his brain. Actually, no, it's your brain and his body. Aren't you? And your agent is probably feeling the same way. You don't even need to tell him this because he's a good agent and he knows what he's doing. But a good agent for every other top pitcher on the market is saying, wait for Yamamoto to go because once he fucking signs, all the teams that were in on him are going to be like, fuck, where do we go now? Where do, who do we turn to? Jordan Montgomery, Blake Snell, Lucas Giolito, Jack Flaherty off the market, gone to Detroit. I'm sure he's pumped about that. <laughs> like, it's just... Like you've gotta you've gotta wait out Yamamoto because there are so many teams that that has been their primary focus, if not their entire focus. And if you miss out on him, guess what? Now I look, I was a six before. Now I look like an eight and a half. All right, cool. Yeah. Well, that, that that that's why I'm not necessarily. I don't I don't feel that fatigue. I mean, and I don't. I haven't heard any any rumors of links between Oakland and Yamamoto. So Jared, like you and I, might might similarly. Be, be sitting in the same boat like i i don't know how confident i feel about yamamoto coming to oakland so you he and might. i are, are in a very are no. in a very similar position 
Well, he'll be there at least once. I know that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but but yeah, I I'm not tired of it yet because of what you just said. Because this drives the market up. So I look at these left-handers who are sitting there going, "All right, well, postseason, Cy Young, I'm a champion, and I'm not even." Uh, I'm not even being really talked about right now. I know I'm going to be a contingency at this point, but damn, I'm going to be a pretty good fallback plan, and that's going to look really good for me in my camp. That's going to look great for me in my camp because Yamamoto, and you got to think, again, not only is the money going to increase potentially for the left-handers, but the landing spot are going to be competitive teams. Jay, what's your... What's your read on all this Yamamoto stuff going on with the second meetings and taking forever? I I think I feel similarly to you, but without the passion behind it, because I don't have a a horse in the race or whatever. Um, I've mostly tuned out the is meeting with I tuned out. I didn't even really get into the three hundred million dollar offer stuff because it seemed like kind of obvious, like bait for the other teams that weren't mentioned to like get their offers up or whatever. Mm. Um I'm ready for him to sign like because normally I wouldn't be bothered because I'd be like, well, he's the last big free agent. Like, let's let it play out because then we have all until the beginning of February before spring training. But we have other free agents to your guys point about like the markets being held up for some names that are pretty interesting in terms of pod discussions and stuff like that and Snell and Montgomery and that kind of stuff. So I, I I'm more towards you where I wouldn't mind him signing in the next week or something like that and getting a move on. This was uh... doesn't he have to? Because the post yeah January fourth right yeah. is the isn't that the date yep. so he's got what two two and a half weeks left two weeks yeah clock's uh, ticking this was Jim Bowden on MLB Network Radio talking about Yamamoto I think the three hundred million is is astronomical to me when when free agency started I had projected two hundred to two hundred and ten and was surprised and right. then it went to the mid two hundreds and then then we started hearing it may even go up to three hundred. And then I heard yesterday that that the Giants and Red Sox not only were making a strong late push and were legitimately in this thing, but that the number had gone over three hundred. But again, you know, three hundred might be two fifty five because of the posting fee. Right. So again, I I don't know the exact I wasn't able to get the exact breakdown. Uh, but the one thing also that I heard is that teams are trying to um, give more years to get the AAV down for luxury tax. Mm-hmm. So don't be surprised if his deal ends up being 12 or 13 years, um, even 14 years, which we've never seen for a pitcher, uh, just with the purpose of getting the AAV down for the CBT. Right, right. So again, I'm I'm hearing that. So don't you know if 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 the deal is going to be say 300 instead of being 30 a year for 10, it may be a lot less than that for a lot more years. Okay, so don't be surprised if the deal ends up being 12 or 13, even 14 years is what we're being told, so that teams could get the A that is down. Absurd, absurd, absurd. absurd. But Jake, absurd. what did you, what did you hear? What did you hear in that that stood out to you? What what was what was something that stood out to you in that club? Uh, just the fact that the Sox offered anyone over 300 is uh, probably a better situation than I thought we would have been in in the first place. So let me poo-poo on that for just a second. Why do you think that a reporter is leaking that the Red Sox and the Giants are the most aggressive? It's because 
he wants the Yankees and the Dodgers to up their offer. How do I get the the fucking teams with the money that are actual like premier landing spots right now for free agents? How do I get them to up their offers? Oh, I tell everyone that their fucking direct rivals are the teams that are the most aggressive. Like we can't be stupid here. Like the Red Sox are getting played. Uh, that that's at least how I feel. I mean, if you're reading between the lines here, like if you're an agent, you're like, okay, the Yankees, they they need this guy. They really need him, and they really want him. So do the Dodgers. They're they're bringing out Shohei. They're bringing out you know Kobe Bryant from from the from the Beyond the Grave videos for their fucking recruitment. Like they mean business. Uh, so we've got the Yankees and the Dodgers are probably our top pairs. And I'm surprised that they didn't throw the Phillies in there just to, just to drive up the fucking price from Steve Cohen. Maybe maybe Steve Cohen's already throwing out ridiculous money, so you don't need to uh, up his bid. But I find it very, very uh, peculiar that the Giants and the Red Sox are the team or the two teams that it's leaked are the most aggressive. It's very suspicious to me. That's all. It didn't get me excited. It got me pissed being like the Red Sox are absolutely getting played right now to up the offers from the Dodgers and the Yankees. Making a lot of sense, Jared. Hey, why why we do what we do. Prove to your point. I mean, they just new report that Bryce Harper just got off of FaceTime with them. Oh, so maybe that's uh-oh. that they're doing that to get the Mets uh-oh. up there. So maybe maybe it's all sham. Could be. Okay. And and you're tired of it? You're tired of it? I'm not tired. I'm just saying, hey, come I'm, on, Dallas. I'm too smart. I'm too smart to be played. You can, you can go play John Henry. You're not going to play me. Not up in here. Not up in here. But someone who is up in here is Anthony Bowens, who I've been trying to get on this podcast for a long fucking time. There he is. <laughs> What's up, guys? From AEW. Hey, 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 hey. Um, we, we've been having a very passionate giants discussion today, just by chance. It had nothing to, I, like, I told him that you were coming on. I told him that you were a giants fan, but it just so happened. Uh, so Dallas is from the Bay area. He's an Oakland guy, but he, I'm uh, from Stockton, I'm from Stockton. I'm not from the Bay area. I'm from Stockton. <laughs> he, Stockton, whatever he he's passionate about the Bay area, but we were talking about why free agents don't seem to choose San Francisco. Why do you think that is? Why, like, what would be your pitch to have someone choose the Giants? Uh, well, we're the best franchise ever, of course. <laughs> but seriously, uh, I, I've had my heart broken every offseason because we've missed out on every top free agent possible. It seems like we haven't gotten somebody huge since. I mean, we, we thought Barry Zito was a huge signing back in the day. So that's like the last big thing in my mind or last big contract that I can think of um, that we got super excited about. But I don't know why people got so angry at Buster the other day, because, of course, every city has its issues. But, you know, even when we were we had our pay-per-view revolution in San Francisco, um, we were staying downtown. It, It was a very different looking city than it was when I came there as a child. And maybe not for the players, but I agree with the players, families who aren't from San Francisco, who don't have the opportunity to kind of live there and know that that's not the entire city. If you fly in and just see that, 
I can kind of understand it's the same thing with New Jersey. Like I'm from New Jersey and born and raised there. I think it's beautiful, but people are like, ugh, you're from New Jersey. But that's because when they fly into Newark, all they see is the ports. They see, you know, the, the, the rundown parts of the city and that can turn people off from going. I don't think that's the main reason why. Um, but you know, I, I think that could play into it. Yeah. It's, it's so when I, it's also the area around the ballpark too. Like, cause I remember like I have very limited memory of actually being in San Francisco, but I remember walking around the ballpark and there's just needles in the street. <laughs> and I'm like, how, if, if you're a visiting player, like, you know, like you're, you're not, uh, uh, say you're Shohei Otani, for example, you're seeing San Francisco, you're probably staying nearby and then you're going to the ballpark and like that's mostly your experience of San Francisco and that's what you see. And they were a finalist and I'm not saying that like the city itself was a deterrent. Uh, I'm sure Shohei all along wanted to go to the Dodgers, but did you think, because I'm now I'm experiencing what your experience was with Shohei. Like now I'm in the Yamamoto sweepstakes, but I don't think that I'm actually in it. Did you actually think that the Giants had any chance for Shohei? Uh, no, but I, I tried to <laughs> for a second. For a second, I tried to believe wholeheartedly that we would get this guy. Um, but again, going off of every off season, we usually just come this close to somebody and, and miss. So I was not getting my hopes up until I saw uh, a press conference and then the physical was done because we went through this with Correa last year where, you know, signed and sealed. And the next thing you know, he doesn't uh, pass the physical and then he's gone, which well, I like Carlos, but I'm not a fan of these huge like franchise contracts, like 10, 11 years and paying people, you know, $30 million a year when they're turning 40 years old. I, I, I just think it's a bit crazy Mm -hmm. what 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 does it do for you now though that you're going to see Shohei Otani 13 times (laughs) a year you're gonna get to see Shohei Otani 13 times a year at least and it's in Dodger blue well, obviously it's depressing, but I, I and I think he's a probably a sweet guy, and he was obviously one of the best players ever in baseball. But now I want to see people take him deep, really, really far into McCovey Cove. <laughs> Screw him! <laughs> Screw you, Shohei Otani. Yeah, he he was. Uh, he it just felt to me like I, I felt stupid for considering any other team. Like when he ended up. Uh, like all the rumors about him going to Toronto and the Blue Jays and the flights and all this, like it was a distraction because I think the it was like he was such a heavy favorite to go to the Dodgers all along that if I were a Giants fan, I don't think I would have gotten the impression that he was ever coming to my team. But now with the Yamamoto sweepstakes, are the Giants even like? Did they even get a meeting? Are they even? That's what that like when they missed on. Aaron judge, like they just pivoted and they're like, all right, like we'll give our money to someone else. Like, don't you think that if they miss and they were a finalist for uh Shohei Otani, that they would pivot to Yamamoto? Like, why do you think that they're not even like linked really? I, I could have read a, a false report. Cause you know, you see so much crap on Twitter, but I thought that they requested another meeting with him and had a pretty big offer uh-huh. on the table. I don't know if that's true or not, um, I hope it is because well, you know Bowden. I would love. To You're in the same that. boat as me. We just played the clip. Jim Bowden said, "Oh, the Red Sox and the Giants made two 
like very they're the most aggressive teams for Yamamoto and then I just went on a rant about how like that's very suspicious to me because who are their rivals the Yankees and the Dodgers which I think you know if you look at the writing on the wall it's the Mets it's the Yankees and the Dodgers like those are the top players for Yamamoto like you and I are getting played right now I think he's going to New York that's my prediction which one the Yankees not the Mets who's going to the Mets come on Who's going to the mess? Not me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think you've been fooled enough uh, seeing with that team. Yeah, no. Uh, I mentioned to you that it was, what, two episodes ago? The, when did we do the, the Giants Mount Rushmore, Jay? Hey? Two yeah, episodes two ago. Episodes yeah, two ago. weeks ago. Two weeks ago. We did the Giants Mount Rushmore, and there was some, as there always is when we do the Mount Rushmore, there was some controversy. There was some debate over the, the fourth one. Did you have a Giants Mount Rushmore that you came with? I think I do. Okay. Number one, no matter what, all the time, my favorite player, Barry Bonds. Barry Bonds, number one. Number two, Willie Mays. Willie Mays, number two. Number three, Willie McCovey. Willie McCovey makes the cut. So you you are the first person to go Willie McCovey. So I think 21 home runs. How could you not? I know. Put him on the list. I know. Well, th- there's a there's a lot of like old timey giants that I think, like if you were to look at it from like all right, the entire existence of the Giants franchise, not just the San Francisco franchise, then you can make the case for certain guys. But no, not saying William McCovey doesn't uh, belong. He certainly belongs. And number four, it could go uh, a ton of different ways, but I settled on Buster Posey. I also had Buster Posey as my number four. Like he I got, feel like three. Oh, I don't mean to cut you off, Ed. No, go ahead. Oh, he brought three. Uh, you know, World Series titles to San Francisco, Rookie of the Year, MVP. Hey, how could you not go? I mean, I know you got Marichal and you got Cepeda and you got all these other dudes, but I never really saw them play. So I guess that would help my argument if I had seen a little um, little footage of them. I don't really see much footage of Marichal or Cepeda. It's mostly just Maze and McCovey all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think I think Buster has to be on there at this point. That's that's my that was my logic behind it was how do you not have like yes there are other Hall of Famers that are Giants legends and Buster will be a Hall of Famer. I think he's the first ballot guy. But how do you not have that era of the three World Series titles represented on the Mount Rushmore. So that's why I went Buster. Even though, like, the debate was that we had from that is that when you think of those World Series titles, do you think of Buster Posey or do you think of Madison Bumgarner? And that's where you kind of run into a problem is, you know, Madison Bumgarner, maybe not necessarily a Mount Rushmore guy, but when you think of those World Series titles, who do you think of the most? Who do you think of the most when you think of those World Series titles? I mean, I think of everybody. I mean, the, I love all those teams so much. I think of the whole team. <laughs> you know, I think of Timmy and, and Kane and the whole pitching staff that, you know, dominated back in 2010. And then you got Belt, you got Crawford, who all can, well, not, maybe not Belt, but Crawford can make cases. Like, he's a franchise giant. Mm-hmm. Um, who else was on those teams that were? What about Pablo Sandoval? No. And yeah. You probably have to put him no. up there, right? As no. one of the giants. Like, that's like. No. A legend in San Francisco. No. I love Pablo. I know people no. had a little gripe with him, especially in Boston, you know. <laughs> but I loved watching Pablo play. He was so crazy and swinging at everything and just but had massive power. He was like the first guy that brought like, what, uh, upper 20s, low 30 uh, home runs back to the team since Barry left. So I, I really, I really enjoyed watching him play. 
I, you know what? I just want to say this. I did not enjoy watching him play. I, <laughs> I, I hated watching him play. And uh, if there were ever some sort of charity boxing tournament, I would fight him. I would fight him. Um, I've said this for five years. I've only got like, I don't know. I've probably got five-ish more years left of being in prime physical condition to beat the shit out of Pablo Sandoval. So he has, I've, I've, it's the offer has been on the table for five years. He has five years left to accept my challenge and I'll still do it. Dallas actually, I forget what year it was, <laughs> but yeah. he, uh, Pablo had like a, like a charity thing where, um, he would, the auction item was hitting lessons with Pablo Sandoval and Dallas bid on it just to get me in a room with him. And, <laughs> and then once he found out that it was me that was going to do it, he, he backed out. Oh, oh, so he backed down from you. Well, we have a very, very personal beef. I got him suspended. Wait, did you report him on the pooper with the, the last? <laughs> That was me. That's great. That was me. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, well, uh, next time we're at TD Garden, how about I'll talk to Tony and see if we can get this on Dynamite. I would. Hey, I would love to do that. Also, <laughs> if you if you wanted to make a tag team, um, I know that you belong to one. Uh, Big Bill. Big Bill's my guy. You know, I feel like he is someone that we're going to have in here at some point to talk about the Yankees. He's a huge, huge Yankee fan, but he's not a douchebag. He there. There's plenty of Yankee fans out there that are uh, absolute douchebags, but oh, he is uh, he's very reasonable as far as Yankee fans go. So yeah, I mean, listen, I, there are here. Here's a tie-in, and Jay, hey, you'll appreciate this. So Tony Khan, who's the president of AEW, uh, he also owns True Media. Did you know that? Yes. 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 So that I, is like the that's you did not know that that's the that's no. like the baseball analytics website that a lot of us use like our, our baseball nerd. Have you ever seen this before, Anthony? I've never seen it, but I've spoken to him before where he uh, he, he gets very excited that he represents the Giants I mean, oh, hey, and all the all the teams that he represents. So he's yes. a very busy guy. <laughs> yes. As a base. All right. That's that's my trade to you. If. If you can get a, a match between me and Pablo Sandoval on Dynamite, I will show you how to uh, all the ins and outs of how to use uh, True Media. So it it only enhances your experience as a baseball fan. Well, I was kind of hoping you offered me money instead, but I know, could do I'll... both. We could do both. <laughs> yeah, we could do both. Absolutely, we could do both. Uh, on the on the conversation of of uh, of being physical, Dallas has uh an axe to grind with, with people like us the the 510 community uh he thinks that people who are 510 he he just he everyone that meets me in person is like wow you're way taller in person because Dallas makes it sound like I'm a midget we're 510 <laughs> we're both we're both beefy muscular men who are 510 and can hold our own in this world we're average height well Dallas how tall are you about six one. He's like five eleven. Oh wait, 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 wait! You can't be shaming people like an inch or two taller. So <laughs> no, no, no. Making it sound like you're six five. That, that's that's what that's what makes that's what makes the joke. That's what makes it stick. Is that I am just a few inches taller. It's not a massive gap. No. Yeah. But Jared, Jared, and, and it, it oh. starts with Jared selling himself at five ten. Anthony, that's where that's where it starts. 
Cause you know, uh, well, I, I never yeah. worry about my height anymore. Cause I got, I work out a lot and you know, I take my shirt off. People get a little scared. See? There you go. Same, <laughs> same. Well, I, Jared, I think, I think people might be getting scared of you two for very, very different reasons. That's not true. I mean, it, like, people, people look at me and they're like, oh my God, like that's, that's Kenny Omega. Like he's huge. Like they're, they're so they, like, they, they, they look at you and they're like, oh my God, how brave. Like that's, yeah, I, brave. I love it. <laughs> Wait, Dallas, do you watch wrestling or no? Uh, no, not, uh, not religiously like Jared does. I, I do watch wrestling every now and then my, my, actually it's funny. I have two very good friends who are big time, big time wrestling fans. And they are getting my daughters in on it right now. So my daughters are requesting to watch. Hey, daddy, can we watch the the girls who do the team who do the team because they do jujitsu. And so they're, they're always like the who do like jujitsu, who do the the uh, the wrestling, who do the. So there's a push for it in the house right now. Good. It's a good time it's a, to be a professional wrestling fan. Everyone, the interest in it, interest in it starting to tick up again. So it's pretty exciting to see. Yeah. yeah, and I've and I've had some I've had some run-ins with some uh with some some wrestlers. So it's uh it's been very interesting. Dallas, where were you? Toronto? Uh yeah. Toronto. Da- Dallas was in Toronto and he was still with AEW at the time. I, I know we probably shouldn't say his name. Uh I love him. But Dallas sends me this picture of this guy. He's like, he's in the gym. He's like, who is this guy? And I was like, Dallas, that's CM Punk. <laughs> he's like, he's like, should I, should I approach him? I was like, no, you should not. No, you should definitely not. Uh, like, what, what's his name? Should I call? No, no, no. Don't call. Don't call him by his name. No, no, no. But did you actually meet? Him? I had, forget how the story ended. Did yeah, you I had met him, but he, yeah, absolutely. But he had already said something to me. That's why I was. Well, he's like, a baseball fan. He's a huge Cubs fan. But I hadn't, like, I had no idea who. You know what I mean? Like, not that I didn't have any idea who he was. I'm not. I'm. I. I knew. I was like, I fucking know this. Like, I think this is. Well, you probably knew him more from UFC. Like, Dallas is more of like a combat. Well, absolutely. Guy. Yeah. Yeah, because because I knew, like I said, I knew he fought Mickey Gall and blah 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 blah. And I was like, yeah, like I. Anyway. Well, that was yeah. Wrestler at the gym is dangerous. <laughs> like, yeah. well, nice and, people, but in that in that zone, we're just. Oof. And he was, and he was with, the, and that was the thing is he was with another dude, and the only thing that even opened the door was the fact that he had spoken to me. So I, you know what I mean? As I was like, I think I know this guy. Is this who I think it is? Yeah. And Jared was like, yeah. And then I was like, well, what do I say? Like, how do I, you know, I don't want to be rude. He said hello. I don't want to be rude. You challenge him to fight. <laughs> well, I offered him seats to a ball game instead. So next time I'll. <laughs> That's very kind of next, next time I'll throw down. Yeah. Out of, uh, <laughs> out of all the like cities that you've traveled to for AEW, have you ever been able to pair that with a, with a baseball game? Like, have you ever been able to, because you're on the road traveling, have you been able to see new ballparks? Which one's been your favorite? Um, new ballparks I've seen with AEW, uh, St. Louis, the, the new Bush stadium. I was able to see the giants twice this year. I saw them in Colorado and then in Toronto, those were the three I was able to hit um, this year. So I was glad it lined up twice <clears throat> perfectly. But I've been to, I think, almost 20 ballparks over the course of my life. My, Because um, like I said, I'm nice. a big Barry Bonds fan. Um, and my dad and my, or my parents would take me to a different stadium every year to go see Barry play. So we saw him everywhere back in, uh, I think we started going in 2000. 
two. Otherwise, my dad's a big Phillies fan, so I spent a lot of time at Veterans Stadium as a kid. Um, hated the Yankees, so never much in New York. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I was able to catch a lot of the a lot of the stadiums just going to Saturday every single year. How did you become well, a Giants fan from Jersey with a dad who's a Phillies fan? That seems like all odds <laughs> were against you to become a like Giants fan. No shot, right? Yeah. Uh, so we, it was the division series in 2000. It was Mets Giants, and then JT Snow hit the home run off of uh, Armando Benitez to tie the game. And I was <laughs> yeah. like, wow, these guys are cool. And then Barry next year uh, and hit the 73. And ever since, I was just obsessed. Like, if the game was on, I was watching it. That's amazing. Yeah, Barry, I feel like that's that's going to be one of those things where you're growing up, you're a kid, impressionable, and Barry's your hero. And then all of a sudden, you're looking at the rest of the world and you're being like, why doesn't everyone love the guy that I love so much? Why is everyone being mean to my hero? Uh, and me. Yeah. <laughs> How like do you still to this day get defensive over Barry Bonds? I, I mean, it brings back all the all the trauma of being bullied by Yankees fans <laughs> about Barry Bonds. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I mean, he, well, ha- half their championship roster was on the Mitchell report. I don't know what they were bullying <laughs> you about. I don't know. But it, it was it was much. I, I love defending Barry. I always had some pretty good arguments with people. Um, but he he forever has offended me because they would all make fun of me like, oh, because I would go see him every year. Like, oh, if you met him, he wouldn't he wouldn't sign for you. He's an asshole. He's this, this, that and the other thing. And I was like, nah, he's don't worry about it. He's chill. And I met him when I was 15 in Pittsburgh. Sweet dude signed for me. And I couldn't wait to take the photo and send it to him and say, I told you so. So he had a fan <laughs> of me ever since he, he signed for me. And, he, you know, he proved everybody else wrong. Prove me right. Best ever of all time. He is. He's the goat. He's the goat. Last one for me. I know uh, <laughs> you want to go back to bed. I'm sorry for waking you up. He's on the West Coast, so it's early. Dallas is on the West Coast, too. But he, he's, and it's he's my birthday. Big. Oh, happy birthday. Oh, shit. Happy <laughs> birthday. Happy birthday. I didn't realize that. Happy birthday. You're the first people I've spoken to this morning. That's amazing. I, I hope someone what? texted you at midnight, at least, to, to say happy birthday. Do we get midnight texts? No, but I got a lot of morning texts that I have to okay. catch up on and or ignore, depending on the person. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Happy birthday. Love the transparency. <laughs> I'm an honest guy, dude. Yeah. Uh, do you have a favorite fan moment, like a, a favorite game that you went to or something like an interaction that you had as a kid or something like that? Favorite fan mem- memory? Um, it, would, it would have to be either when Barry signed for me because I was just in total like total shock because I, I never was starstruck with anybody really in my life other than Barry. So probably either that moment or when the Giants won the World Series in 2010, um, I was decked out in my Giants gear sitting in um, sitting in my room after almost getting beat up in Philadelphia in the playoffs. The, the, the game where Cody Ross hit the two home runs off a of holiday. And I was the only Giants fan in attendance and Phillies fans were not happy. Um, but I remember... I just remember the the final pitch with Nelson Cruz striking out and just jumping up, screaming, and my dad turning like behind me, happy to see me that I finally won a World Series because he was at the uh, the 1980 World Series when the Phillies won, so he wanted me to experience that same thing, and just turning around and give him a big hug. And it's a big like uh, father son moment that lives in my head. Is that is that an odd dynamic when you have a different favorite team than your dad? So like. Like you win a World Series in 10, 12, and 14, and he has to congratulate you. But then, like, when the Phillies win in 08, you have to congratulate him. Like, is that odd? 
No, I think it's – I mean, I guess if I have a secondary team, I support the Phillies unless it's against the Giants. So, yeah. um, you know, I, I was cheering along right with them when they won in 08. That is, that is – I guess I had never really thought about that, where you can't have, like, that father-son embrace over a World Series. Like, it's just – this is my team and you have your team. That's that's odd. As long as he's happy, that makes me happy. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Anthony Bowens, thank you so much. For, happy birthday again. Thank you for taking the time. Uh, tell folks at home where uh, where they can watch you on TV. Thank you, gentlemen. Uh, everyone listening, watching, check us out uh, every Wednesday night, All Elite Wrestling, AEW Dynamite, which is live at 8 p.m. Uh, East Coast time on TBS. And then check us out Saturday nights, TNT, AEW Collision, 8 p.m. And you can find me, Twitter and Instagram at Bowens underscore official for a lot of uh, fun wrestling content, a lot of scissoring action. Yes. <laughs> and the next time next time you're in Boston, uh, I, I have to come back out to that show. Absolutely. Just let me know. Yeah, I will do. And, uh, and Anthony, I, was, I don't have a question. I just want to let you know, man, if you've got 20 ballparks under your belt, you need to lock in on the Oakland A's baseball schedule for no other reason other than let's get you to all 30. So if the A's happen to be in a city that you find yourself in, tickets on me. We'll get you down on the field. Watch some batting practice. We'll uh, We'll make sure you have a good time at the rest of the ballparks you need to knock off your list. I will take you up on that offer. I appreciate it. Please that. do. Please do. Awesome. Thank you, guys. Thank you. All right, we got to take a quick break to bring you a word from our sponsor. Baseball may be finished, but there's a new season to be happy about, the holidays. And the beer that was made perfect for baseball is also the perfect match for a brighter holiday. From its bold, refreshing flavor to its beautiful, bright color, Blue Moon Belgian White Belgian-style wheat ale is made brighter for the holidays. I'm drinking Blue Moons all day because it's an absolute hurricane outside, and I really hope Yamamoto is not coming to Fenway today because it's a terrible day to visit. But if he is, I'll be there with open arms and a pack of Blue Moons just for him. Blue Moon Brewing Company beers are made brighter as the perfect complement to the holiday season. From Blue Moon Belgian White's refreshing flavor, to Light Sky's real tangerine peel taste, to Moon Haze's juicy burst of flavor, the whole crowd will be reaching for the bright stuff this holiday. With its refreshing flavor with Valencia orange peel for a subtle sweetness and hints of coriander, Blue Moon Belgian White Belgian-style wheat ale is a beer that's made brighter. It's carefully crafted and full-flavored with refreshing notes and a smooth, creamy finish. The season should be merry and bright, so Blue Moon is a perfect match for the holidays. The crack of a beer, the pour, the first sip of that bold flavor, Blue Moon always feels like a special occasion. Best served with its signature orange garnish to showcase its beautiful bright color, a beer this good only comes around once in a blue moon, but you can enjoy it all through the holidays. Brighten up the holidays with a beer that's made brighter. Get Blue Moon Belgian White Belgian Style Wheat Ale, Light Sky, and Moon Haze delivered by visiting get.bluemoonbeer.com slash rocket for delivery options. That's get.bluemoonbeer.com slash rocket. Blue Moon, made brighter. Celebrate responsibly, Blue Moon Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado Ale. All right, big thanks to Anthony Bowens. AEW, All Elite Wrestling. This is one of my favorite things about Baseball is Dead is that, like, starting nine, and no, I, I like, the first name that came to mind, I love Tim Kirchin, but, like, that's the first name that came to mind is, like, you know, you're going to get baseball starting nine, you get, like, Tim Kirchin to break down, like, whatever baseball. Uh, baseball is Dead is just, like, you know, it's just baseball fans. Like, you could be from any walk of life, and like obviously like i know some some wrestlers and they they fucking love baseball and they're like hey like get me on the podcast like i want to talk about my team uh so we had if you missed it earlier in the year when the pirates were the talk of baseball we had Corey graves the broadcaster for wwe uh had him on to talk about the pittsburgh pirates he loves the pirates um 
and Anthony Bowens, as you know now, Giants fan, and then Big Bill from AEW, used to be in WWE, Enzo and Cass, he was Big Cass, now he's Big Bill, uh, huge Yankee fan, and I've known him for a long time because when we did Section 10, we copied the Enzo and Cass intro, it got back to them, and then they came in to do a skit uh, where they weren't happy about it. And we've just kind of like been friends ever since. Like we've gone to Fenway a bunch of times. Um, him and his now fiance, who is DDP's stepdaughter, I believe the connection is. Baseball lineage, baseball and wrestling. I'm I'm making the <laughs> thank you, Dallas. <laughs> yeah, that was uh, <clears throat> that's something else that we can explore. I, that's my goal one day, and I think it's very possible to have I've, CM man, Punk re- on this show to talk about the Cubs. My friend CM Punk, absolutely. Yeah. I'm going to text him right now. Yeah, I, mean, I could text him right now. Yeah, I would. I I really want it. Like I hope my daughters latch on to wrestling because I know that will get me like by proxy, like kind of back into it. You know what I mean? And I'll, and I'll start picking it up because I thoroughly enjoyed when I was a wrestling fan. I just saw this. I just saw a commercial of this place that has like, this dude has over 20,000 figurines, uh, like for sale. You can go in, check out all these different, like just wrestling, like memorabilia. You can, he's got a fucking ring. He's got mini rings, like all, like just insane stuff. Mm. And set like, I enjoy that. Um, All right. Uh, I think we are going to, because Dallas, Dallas has, uh, what do you got? What do you got to do today, Dallas? I have to go see an orthopedic surgeon. Dallas has to go see an orthopedic surgeon. So we have Dallas for another 20 minutes, which means that uh, we are going to punt and people are going to be like, oh, you have a bias. I don't have a bias. It's the Yankees Mount Rushmore. You'll get that next week uh, because we need Dallas for that. But before we do that, Jay, hey! What up, baby? We have to do the MVP segment, which I forget oh, the year. It's escaping me. What year is it? 1978. So that's a good one in America. Jim Ed. Yep. Yeah. Jim Rice. 1978 MVP. This is Jim Rice in the AL and Dave Parker in the NL. I feel so like we should here. have music for this segment. I feel like we should have like old-timey baseball music somehow. All right. Is the production staff listening? Yeah. Okay. What's the yeah, uh, what's it. the we're intro to it. what's the intro to Ken Burns? Just some natural baseball sound in the background. All right, go ahead, Jay. <laughs> there we go. Nineteen seventy-eight. <laughs> what a great year in baseball it was. Uh, this is a fun one to break down. Jim Rice and Dave Parker, two guys who, uh, well, one of them is a Hall of Famer, I think get a little lost in the shuffle uh, as players from the late 70s and early 80s, I think tend to do in baseball history because there was a little bit of a dearth in star power uh, league-wide, but these seasons are pretty remarkable in uh, baseball history. And what makes them interesting from an MVP perspective, too, is that the best you know, uh, other options in both leagues were both pitchers putting up pretty historic seasons in their own right. Um, We'll decide whether they made the right choice in going with the offensive player. Let's start near and dear to uh, Jared and Jake's home. That's Jim Rice with the Boston Red Sox. He won his MVP in 1978. Um, No small part would help him make the Hall of Fame, uh, you know, 30 or so years later. This season, he ranked third 
among bat, uh, among all vote getters in wins above replacement at 7.6. He was first among hitters. Uh, he ranked behind Ron Guidry of the Yankees and Mike Caldwell of the Brewers. We'll get to that in a second. Jim, Ri- well, uh, Jim Rice led Major League Baseball, not just the AL, in hits, 213, home runs, 46, RBI, 139, slugging percentage, 600, and OPS, 970. So in no uncertain terms, sorry, uh, OPS was uh, was led the AL. In no uncertain terms, he was the best offensive player in baseball in 1978. Uh, he received 20 of 28 first place votes. Ron Guidry received the other eight. So it was uh, not particularly close. Jim Rice was viewed as the MVP this year. Uh, a little context on this offensive season uh, because it was historically significant. Uh, it is one of six seasons in AL history with 40 homers, 15 triples, and 130 RBI. No one has done that since in the AL, okay? So this is 1978. The only people to have done it um, uh, are basically like the Ruth and Gehrigs of the AL. He had 406 total bases. 406 total bases. For context... Aaron Judge, in his massive MVP season, had 391 total bases. Okay, it's not to say Rice's season was better, but in terms of total bases, this is an absolutely monster season. The only people to have more total bases in AL history in a single season are Babe Ruth, Lou Gehrig, Jimmy Fox, and Joe DiMaggio. No one else. Jim Rice is 406 in 1978. And by the way, when he did get to 406 total bases... He became the first MLB player, not just AL, first MLB player with 400 total bases since Hank Aaron had done so in 1959. So 19 years earlier. And the next time someone would do it in MLB was 1997, 19 years later in Larry Walker. Okay, so a little bit of symmetry there as well. If you want to make the case that he was not the MVP, which I'm not Hmm. actually inclined to do. I know Ron Guidry had a historically significant year, but this was not a robust season for offense in Major League Baseball, which is part of what makes me lean towards the offensive player. But if you wanted to go Ron Guidry, his season featured 25 wins, a 1.74 ERA, and 273 and two-thirds innings pitched. It was the first season, this is in 1978, it was the first AL season since 1917 that featured 25 wins and a 1.75 ERA or lower in 250 or more innings. The last people to do that basically were like the Walter Johnsons of baseball. So it had been a very long... People weren't just trotting out these innings or these seasons when Ron Guidry threw this season out there. I I just want that in context. So that is the AL picture. Uh, It is Mike Caldwell by war deserved to be in the conversation, but in voting was not in the conversation and really was never going to get any support because Ron Guidry had a better pitching season and represented the pitching side of the vote. So by war, Guidry was two wins better than Jim Rice, 9.6 to 7.6. But you're basically squaring off with the best pitcher and the best hitter in the league, uh, Yankees, Red Sox, and uh, they gave it to Jim Rice. Any reactions here? Uh, uh, <clears throat> I mean, I definitely am not going to complain about Jim Rice winning the 1978 MVP. Dallas, are you going to make a uh, case for Guidry? 
Are you passionate yeah. about this one? Uh, I'm not extremely passionate about it simply because of the context of the offensive season uh, that Jim Rice had sur- with the other seasons surrounding it or the lack of. So it was a standout season. It was a very significant season. I think the the um, the total base context is something to consider as well. Um, but what Ron Guidry was doing at that point in time, I mean, 25 wins with a sub-2 yeah. ERA, sub-175 ERA, and... Look at the whip, too. That yep. is when we're talking about the body of work, because we're not talking about 180 innings here. We're talking about almost 300, right? 273 and two-thirds innings with 187 hits allowed and only 13 home runs allowed. Punched out 248. That is pure fucking dominance. Yeah, he absolutely was. I mean, this is the best season of Ron Guidry's career. I mean, it's one of the great seasons. It's one of those that pops up in baseball reference when you do the searches for like, you know, when Verlander and Kershaw and Pedro were putting up their their elite ERA seasons. Like, this is the one that oftentimes like your search stops with. And it's like, oh, it was Ron Guidry in 1978. And, um, yeah, but I mean, Jay, it was it, well, it's acknowledged with the Cy Young. So I'm not terribly upset about it. You know? Yeah, like, yeah, that's, that's fair. The whole, that's a good point. He the, won the Cy that's Young. That's the give and take. Yep, he finished third uh, in the Cy Young uh, the very next season, finished seventh in the Cy Young before this. So this was Ron Guidry at the peak of his powers. And if you're into this kind of stuff, not only did he win 25 games, but he only lost three. So he went 25-3 and three with a 1-7-4. I, everybody who's listened to this podcast or previous podcasts know I'm not a big wins guy, but 25-3 and three looks pretty cool uh, at the end of the day on your baseball well, yeah. reference page. Absolutely. Hell yes, it does. And it matters in the context of the innings pitched. Like, that's the whole idea of yeah. why the wins mattered is because you were pitching in innings seven, eight, and nine. You were finishing ball games, you know? I mean, he had fucking 16 CGs. Nine shutouts, for Christ's sake. Um, Yeah, so that is uh, that is the 1978 AL MVP, uh, which takes us over to the NL side, where... It was kind of a similar situation, if I'm being honest, where you had the consensus best offensive player against a guy who put up some pretty spectacular um, pitching numbers, particularly when it comes to bulk. Um, the, by the way, I just one final word on uh, Ron Guidry. His adjusted ERA that season was two zero eight. Uh, which is the 17th best single season um, in AL history. Um, so I'm not, by saying the offensive environment, I'm certainly not dismissing uh, his contributions. It was an all-time season. Um, over to the NL. So Dave Parker was even more of a consensus choice uh, than Jim uh, Jim Rice was, despite having, I think on the whole, a slightly less impressive offensive season. Dave Parker got 21 of 24 first place votes. He finished second among vote getters in wins above replacement. So at 7.0. So once again, he was surpassed by a pitcher in this case, Phil Necro, who put up a 10 win season. Wow. Phil Necro put up a 10 win season. We'll get to that in a second. Uh, Dave Parker led major league baseball in batting average 334 and OPS 979. So he was the only guy ahead of Jim Rice and led the NL in slugging at 585. On the whole, 30 homers, 20 stolen bases, and he also threw in 100-plus runs and 100-plus RBI. For context, he became the second player in NL history, and the at the time, there have been some that have done it since, 
but second player at the time in NL history and first since Chuck Klein in 1932 to post a season with 30 homers, 20 steals, 100 runs, 100 RBI, and a 330 batting average. And it would be 15 more years until somebody in the NL would do it again. And that was Barry Bonds with the Pirates in 1993. Um, fun fact about Dave Parker's 1978 season. Well, it wasn't fun for him at the time, but uh, he got into a home plate collision on June 30th and broke his jaw uh, among some, among other things too, I think, but his jaw and he missed two weeks. He had like a, uh, like a support thing created so that he missed as little time as possible, came back with a broken jaw. And from the point at which he came back, hit 351, 410, 632. So before the broken jaw, he had a 913 OPS. After the broken jaw, he had a 1.042 OPS. So he was a substantially better player after coming back, which is just about the most badass fucking thing I found while researching this segment so far. Uh, 351 with a broken Raise fucking it. jaw. Uh, and he, he literally hit with a fucking football helmet on. Sometimes yeah, you just go. gotta and fucking a hockey mask. bite a down hockey and mask. go get it, boys. Yeah, that <laughs> is that, up. that is so Look cool. Up Dave Parker hockey mask. It's the dopest shit ever. Uh, yeah. Well, that's a so, high, I, I, I need that baseball card. I, so he was a legend. Uh, he won the MVP this year, obviously. Um, and they, he would be part of the MV or the uh, World Series winning team the next season. Um, sort of gets lost, as I said, in the shuffle because he's te- he's not in the Hall of Fame. You could certainly make a compelling case that Dave Parker uh, belongs in the Hall of Fame. Uh, and I know some people have. Uh, obviously, he's not in there. This was by wins above replacement. Uh, This was the peak of his career from 1977 to 1979 was the run for Dave Parker. He put up 21 wins above replacement over those three seasons. Um, He had, you know, what looked like kind of underwhelming power numbers in hindsight, but I think were more impressive in context. He also had a very high batting average and won two batting titles. Anyway, Phil Necro, the main competitor for this, and if you believe wins above replacement, the guy who absolutely was robbed of the 1978 NL MVP. Phil Necro, 334 and a third innings pitched. So he threw a full 60 more innings than Ron Guidry even did. Okay, just put that in a context. Game started. He started 42 games, Jay Hay. 42 games started. <laughs> he was the... And if you're going to say, oh, that's just what happened back then. No, it was not. He was no. the only pitcher in the NL in the 1970s to ever have a season with a 40 uh, start season. He did it three times, but he was the only pitcher in the NL to do it in the 70s. Okay. Um, he had a 2.88 ERA. So not the sparkling season necessarily that Gidry did, but then keep in mind, he also made like, what, 30 more, 30% more starts than Ron Gidry did. Um, yeah, a third went, of a season more starts. Went 19 and 18, 19 and 18. So here's some fun kind of trivial stuff that may or may not matter. He had a, a 10 war season, as I said, which we know is kind of like hallowed ground. His 18 losses are the most in the live ball era in a 10 win season and his 107 earn runs allowed are also the most 
in a 10 war season in the live ball era. Obviously, you have to cut it off at the live ball era because if you go back further than then, people were racking up like 35 and 40 losses in a season because uh, they were the only fucking pitcher on the team. Um, so if you believe that, uh, if you believe in quantity and Phil Necro certainly provided that in 1978, uh, literally taking the ball almost once every four games, no, more than once every four games for his team. More than once every four games for his team. Uh, then he belongs as the MVP. Uh, he did not get it. He finished. Uh, what did he finish in the votes? He finished third in the votes, actually. Larry Boa uh, finished second. Uh, oh, no, I'm sorry. Sorry. Take that back. No, Steve Garvey no, finished Steve second. Garvey. Larry Boa finished third. And poor... Phil Negro uh, finished 17th. 17th. 17th, despite a 10-win season. So, Despite 22 complete games <laughs> under his belt. And again, again, he led the league in innings pitched and game starts. So it's not like he was just rolling out there with a bunch of other 330 inning pitch guys. He led baseball by a lot in those categories. They were just disinclined to give... Uh, a pitcher, particularly one with a 19 and 18 record, I think, and a 2.88 ERA, uh, the benefit of the doubt that season. Uh, well, Phil Negro never won an MVP, so it's uh, this was arguably his best shot. But that's uh, that's what it looks like. Also, I think it's important to note final final points on the on the MVP thing is that he was playing for an Atlanta Braves team that went 69 and 93, 26 games out of what there were only the East and West divisions in the NL at that time. They finished dead mm-hmm. last in the West. So uh, very admirable season for Phil Negro, but I think it was asking a lot of the voters to award the MVP to a pitcher on a last place team. Yeah, Final point. Tough. Thank you. Yeah. That's yeah. tough. That's tough. Gaylord Perry was the NL Cy Young Award winner that year, going 21-6. and six. Yeah. Uh, Phil Negro had almost 100 more innings than him. And, I mean, that's uh, a, we don't need to dive into that. But. No, no, no. But that's a great point. Phil Necro finished sixth in the Cy Young. In the Cy Young, Jay. And put it like this. He had five more wins above replacement than anybody that received Cy Young votes. Vita Blue was the next closest in war who finished third with 5.8. <laughs> Hold on. Phil- Dallas, I'm so, I'm so glad you said this. Let's read the wins above replacement of all the other people oh. who received Cy Young votes that season oh. in the NL. 5.8, oh, 5. 5.1, 4.3, 4.1, 3.4, 3.4, 2.5, 1.8, 1.8. and 1.4. What mm-hmm. the fuck is a dude yeah. who got... Tommy John received Cy Young votes in a 1.4 war season. Got about as much credit as Phil Necro did in a 10-win season. That's crazy, baby. That's... That's Cy yeah. Young voting. That's a future segment, future offseason. Yeah. But my yeah, maybe, goodness. Yeah, I was going to say, maybe we need to, we need to all. Oh, all we'll get to the Cy Young eventually. Cy Youngs. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's a couple contracts from now. Yeah. Yeah. Your con- your camera went out. I thought you just like blacked out from like all these yeah. fucking crazy That's stats. Cool. Right. Yeah, <laughs> just fucking hey, old guy and overload. he was 39 years old. And he was 39. Old, just throwing up Elton oh, yeah. John, just fucking tiny dancing all over the place. <clears throat> Oh, yeah. For people who might not have baseball history memorized, Phil Necro, also a knuckleballer. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's why well, worth, during the worth entire noting. time I'm yeah. doing this, that's what that meant, people, is he's throwing a fucking knuckleball. That's at that how you happens. make 42 fucking starts in a season and that's throw right. 22 complete pitch. games. 
That's how you pitch every three days, Jay. Hey, a knuckleballer is kind of like a, a fast pitch pitcher. Like, no, I'm good. I'm good. This is start four of today, but I'm fine. So that's a 1978 right. MVP. I hope everybody enjoyed. Crazy. Thank you, Jay. Hey. Yep. Um, next week, you will oh, be breaking sense. down the MVP race. That's another more recent one from 2011. Oh, good. See, we're Ooh. bouncing all over the place. Okay. 2011. Oh, this is, this is fun. Oh, good. Good, good, good. See, I love all of these. All right. So in the AL, that's Justin Verlander's MVP season. Okay. This is very interesting because it's an absolute dogfight at the top. You can make cases for lots of people. We'll see whether one of them should have won uh, over Justin Verlander. And then in the NL, you have what's become like a semi-famous hindsight analysis MVP vote which is Ryan Braun against Matt Kemp, um, where uh, they they accounted for Did, almost I all. Matt Kemp. Oh. oh good. Yeah, That's Matt Kemp had some one. thoughts on this, too, actually, um, I believe. A couple other standout seasons. It was a great year from Prince Fielder, Justin Upton, and Albert Pools as well. Uh, but yeah, that was the Ryan Braun, Matt Kemp thing. So we will relitigate that uh, with everything we know now. That mm. should be fun. That's going to be juicy. It's been a few weeks yeah. since I've dumped all over Ryan Braun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the Ryan Braun slander from Jay Hay. Uh, Dallas, you got to get the fuck out of here. I, we're just going to we're just going to give our closing. Gotta, anyway, what do you got? OK. OK. Oh, nothing. Um, welcome to the pirate ship. Give it a lasty Margo Gonzalez and one thundering herd's own Rowdy Telez, along the spirit of celebrating Dave Parker's 1978 MVP season. Come on, Rowdy. Come on, Marco. Raise your sails and let's get ready to set sail. Uh, yeah, just, you know, excited we got some ball players. That's all. That's, that's pretty much it. You got anything else to say? No. That's it. Raise it, Jay Thank you, Dallas. Thank you, Dallas. Still waiting on Joey Votto, though. He's still out there. Could still happen. Votto to Pittsburgh, still on the table. Well, uh, the Rowdy Telez block uh, could throw a wrench in things. I mean, it could. I mean, Rowdy, <laughs> Rowdy could just be trade bait. That could be a that could be a piece for a bigger move to bring in uh, to Joey Votto. It's just to entice him. <clears throat> Rowdy Telez could be part of a Yamamoto trade. This is the old sign and trade. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Don't rule it out. Little dangler. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Joseph, final thoughts. Yeah, just good riddance to Marco Gonzalez. It was fun while it lasted. <laughs> Great Brave will go down as one of those just fan favorites. Yeah. So good good luck in Pittsburgh. Also, Matt Carpenter, same thing. Mm-hmm. Thanks for your service. Yeah. We appreciate the hard work you put in, but you had to, had to make room, boss. So he's off the Braves, but we still love Matt Carp. Thank you. <laughs> legend, legend in Atlanta. He'll never forget his contributions. Uh, Jay, hey. Thank you. Uh, my final thought, just wanted to quickly note, uh, I don't know, I was just thinking about it offhand. Rowdy Telez's uh, stats from last year, 215 batting average, 
with a 667 OPS over 351 play appearances. So fucking raise that shit, baby. Here we go. (laughs) (laughs) He's hurt. He was hurt. Sorry, bounce back. If I'm Joey Votto and I'm hurt that I'm now blocked in Pittsburgh by Rowdy Telez, that would make me fucking retire. (laughs) I'd be like, holy fuck. You gotta buy low sometimes. (laughs) Jake's takes. I just really hope Yamamoto's not on his way to Fenway right now because it's a fucking hurricane outside. <laughs> yeah. Imagine. Yeah. He's like, oh, yeah, one last meeting with the Sox. I'm going to go to Fenway, take a tour, beautiful Fenway Park. There's, I just got a, a voicemail from my neighbor. Uh, I just looked at the the transcription here, and uh, it. Uh, I see that there are branches and a, there's a pine tree in my driveway. So... It's called a Christmas tree. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So listen, hey. Hey, well, stay safe out there. Yeah. All right. You guys safe. stay safe. Keep your heads low. Mm-hmm. And uh, enjoy down. the holidays. We won't see you again. We won't see you again until after the holidays. So if you're celebrating with the Santas and all that stuff, then. Uh, Ooh. Merry Christmas. Have some cocoa. Have some eggnog and brandy. Mm. Enjoy your Christmas. Yeah. Right. Find some uh find some mistletoe, huh? Oh hey okay. let's right. go. All right. Okay. I wish I could take my pants off for you, boy. All right, Joe. All right. Whoa, Joe. Jeez, yeah. bud. Yankees Mount Rushmore next week. Uh thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. Uh please subscribe, Dave. We're going over uh ten thousand subscribers on YouTube. Oh, that's right. Oh yeah, and hey, um I'll be uh, I'll be picking out a I'll be picking out a winner for the jersey as well. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think we that's happening. That during the season, I feel like we should be doing we should be doing promos. We'll be doing uh yeah. uh once a week we'll get creative to find new ways to get to that hundred K. We're gonna get there. I want the fucking plaque. That's all I want. I want the plaque. We got a lot of tricks up our sleeve. Yeah. I got all some right. cool stuff to give away. There you go. There you go. I mean we're having giveaways once a week to get the to get to one hundred K. Very exciting. I'll give away my plaque. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> Joe, Joe's gonna give away his plaque to get the plaque. I love that. Isn't that like one of those Christmas stories where like they, like the two couples, they like give away things and then to to buy the gift and it's you know, yeah, yeah, cool story. Yeah, All right, I yeah. Go. yeah, I, I remember go. that. Well. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.